1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today.
0: Dan Strapper, Mike Blur back with you on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. So glad to be along with you talking all things Super Bowl 53. Don't forget. Uh, you have uh, George Kurtz sliding in at the top of the next hour, 10 o'clock, to uh, take over for me. And then you'll have uh, George and Mike and and uh, the whole cast and crew here at uh, FNTSY bringing you the rest of the way through Saturday and Sunday morning, getting you ready for the quote unquote big game. Uh, Mike, uh, we're going to get to it a little later, but I don't know if we're going to have time in the segment. What's your favorite uh, Super Bowl food? Like, do you do the big party, or are you somebody who just likes to watch on your own in, in a man cave?
1: Well, I would prefer to watch solo, but that's not a reality anymore because I have two (laughs) little kids and I have a wife. So uh, I just sort of go where the day takes me. The last few years, really since I've moved into my house, I've really just been here. Um, But tomorrow, since I'm working, I'll be in Manhattan from 12 to 3. Right. And then I have to scoot out of there as quickly as i can i might even this this is probably tough to say this on air i might actually have to bail on the last 10 minutes of the show tomorrow to catch a train to get back at a reasonable time because of the way that the railroad is set up i live in long island new york uh i if i finish the show at three there's not another train for nearly an hour. So Weekend trains not, in New York are the worst. So then I'm not getting back to town or my house until almost 5 o'clock. And that's, that's a little too late for me. I need to settle in, have a wing or two, have a adult beverage, and then get ready for the game. So uh, the other complication is that I, I'm only a mile away from my house where I'm going, so it's it's not a big travel day yep. or anything like that. but Uh, When do we leave? Do we leave before kickoff to get the kids back to put them to bed? Or do we wait till halftime, keep them up a little bit later? I don't, you know, God bless Lady Gaga. I hope she knocks it out of the park, but I don't have to watch it.
0: (laughs) Um, Amazing. Uh, And uh, I I will, I don't know what we're doing. We haven't really made a plan. And as I said, we... uh, I live up here in Patriots country, so not many uh, Patriots fans inviting me over their house for the Super Bowl knowing that I dislike them so much. So we'll see how the day goes. But uh, but favorite uh, food, year-
1: I'm, I, I'm, we're going to get wings tomorrow. There's a place in yeah, town, and there's a couple of others. There's a couple of other outlets of it in Manhattan, a place called Croxley's. I'll give it a shout out. So um, Ooh, they do excellent, excellent wings. So um, we're going to pick up a big pile of those so uh, I, I would go. say football specific food i'm oh, in i don't know what else we're going to be making my wife's a dietitian, so there's always some oddly healthy things sure. in the mix there <laughs> but you know I, I like to live it up on super bowl take the day off the next day do a couple of radio spots and then just uh you know wallow in uh super post game coverage and interviews and everything
0: Yep, and then uh, the next day we turn our eyes towards the draft as we quickly uh, yeah. uh, turn that page. and are going to hear a lot from for-
1: me in the draft, that's
0: for yes, sure. Yes, sir. Looking forward to Emery, who we had on last week. Hopefully, hear more yeah. from him. Great uh, Senior Bowl coverage. Uh, great follow on Twitter, too. There are so many people who are pointing you to their website or pointing you to he, he writes, uh, but also shares a ton on Twitter. So uh, if you're just looking for some uh, pieces of information, uh, definitely check out uh, Emery Hunt over there. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. We'll get to uh, some uh, Rams talk uh, in uh, the next hour. We'll, we'll touch on what the Rams need to do to win. We've touched on a bit already, uh, talking about the defensive side of the ball against the Pats offense, and obviously vice versa uh, for the Rams offense uh, and the Pats D, but want to hone in on some of uh, Mike's thoughts, my thoughts on that. Uh, but we get a caller on the line, Kenny from Philadelphia, a good friend of the radio program here. Kenny, how you doing on this Saturday morning?
2: Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Mike. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Hey, man. Hey, uh, hey, Mike, if you want to get on, uh, if you want to get into Dan's uh, skin, just mention these two words. Game
0: script. Oh, you gotta go there. <laughs> gotta, like, it's we. I haven't slept enough to deal with game script, in prison, man. Like that's, that's that's not cool. What what's going on, man? How you been?
2: Uh, I can't complain. Well, actually, tomorrow, I'll, uh, celebrate one of my friends' birthday, so we'll be in Atlantic City. So we'll be down there. one, we'll, no, oh, one the no. tables and wow. the sports book is going to be, be definitely going to be a good good day, huh?
1: That'll be fun. That'll be it's yeah. a perfect way to spend it. You know, if you can get to a book. And hang out and uh, celebrate a birthday. That's that's a fun way to do it. What's your favorite uh, wager that you're gonna make on this game? You're gonna throw a prop well, at, at me. Well,
2: yeah, well, yeah. Um, i know I told y'all last week. I was on the uh, on the uh, Brady Brady getting a sneak there. Uh, had that a good good odds, but I'm actually gonna pivot off of that and uh, I'm actually gonna be betting betting down. I'm not I'm not making as many pictures as I thought I was, but my main pick really is gonna be the. Uh, Devlin to get in the end zone at 13-1. A, at a to one. That's going to be my main one.
1: Sure. Other so, than that, I'm second. So, part. Dane Martinez and I did a James Devlin prop bet for the AFC Championship game to score two touchdowns. Yep. We had it at 100-1. to one, But yep. I was telling him the reason it probably won't happen is because Burkhead is back. And yep. the only mistake that we made, I have no issues that we put money down on Devlin, is that we should have hedged and also put that Burkhead bet in and oh that's a good idea the way the way i feel (laughs) about yeah so think about that too if you want to get a burkhead prop in there they obviously utilized him he scored two touchdowns um look they ran 94 offensive plays last week it's the most that any team ran on anybody else in the league this year i don't think that's going to happen but they could push it up to 75 plays uh right and um that could lead to more carries. It's just, they're not going to have the rushing success like they did against the Chiefs. So, uh, right. Burkhead for a touchdown prop, I like it. Yeah. Pretty much my, uh,
2: my, uh, my prop that's going to, going to, run from the, uh, the first score, the anytime touchdowns, the MVP, and I got a couple, couple other exotic bets. Like, like I said, I think Randy Cooks is, is a, you know, I'm a narrative person, so the revenge factor, so. Pretty much his bet on uh, my bet on him is gonna be that uh, that does he make a catch for over twenty nine and a half yards. So and you yeah. compare that like I said last week with uh, like Goff's like golf's golf's uh, longest pass and touchdown to kinda of double up on the play or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely well, uh, the put one couple thing check- I'll
1: tell you, the one that I really like <clears throat> and I said to Dan at the top of the show, the odds have come down dramatically on it because it's so popular that I don't think the book said it properly to start, is successful two point conversion. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Some books that opened at plus 200. I'm seeing on mybookie.ag, it's down to plus 140. So while you can't get the odds that you would have liked, you still have an edge there plus money. Uh, The two of the last three, there was no successful one last year. The previous two, there was. And these two teams are going to coach aggressively, and it's likely that they will attempt several two pointers throughout the game. I, I don't see this being a back and forth field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. Uh, a nice neat score it could be like we saw uh you know we saw 26 23 last week we saw 37 31 there was two pointers uh attempted so we'll see but All that's right. what I-
2: and uh on on the uh, mvp for now you know i'm an after person and i'm going to put a couple of shekels on uh on a Gronk at plus 5000 here for the MVP. I know that's a long shot and if the Patriots win, 9 out of 10 Brady's going to get the MVP. But if the Rams win, I got to put some cheddar on Gurley here. If they if they have any chance of winning, he's going to be a part of it.
1: What any are chance. the odds on Gurley? Plus
2: 1600.
1: So, 16 to 1. I, I'm okay with that because yeah, I'm putting I, a couple chuckers on it. Yeah, I I think that's the way to do it. You spread it around. The MVP bets are they're all long shots outside of the quarterback. The last non-offensive quarterback to win was Santonio Holmes uh, yep. back in the 2008 season. So we're talking Hines, Hines Ward, exactly yep. 10 seasons ago. So um, we had Malcolm Smith win against Denver. We had Von Miller win against Carolina. So there's defensive room there. In fact, I, I really liked that Von Miller bet back then. That I, I was 20-1, to 1, I remember. It went off that. Mm-hmm. So uh, with these kinds of... Bets, i think you know that you're taking a risk but let's put 20 bucks down on it we'll win a little bit of money to cover some of my other losses i think that's the way to go about it the gronk narrative has gotten a little bit out of control for me i think he could be <laughs> used as a decoy but at 51 it's 50 to 1 i didn't think james yeah. devlin was going to score two touchdowns but it was 100 right. to 1 why right, why not right. take a shot uh, with the patriots uh
2: last exotic one last exotic one here is uh when, now when this happened in the game, I want y'all to think about me here. Uh <laughs> Phil, Phil go hitting hitting one of the uprights at plus twelve hundred. Now when it happens in the game, when these kickers going to hit that hit hit that uh hit hit one of those uprights, y'all think of me, okay? You'll get oh, yeah, have a good one, man. Enjoy the yeah. game, man. Right, you too,
0: care. Kenny. Appreciate the call. And uh, it's going to be a great moment when that happens in the game and I put my head in my hands and my wife asks me what I'm thinking about. And I say, oh, you know, Kenny from Philadelphia. That's that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Oh, Kenny. Good call, as always. Appreciate it. Um, the prop bets, will, we'll get to fan. it. That's not a, great, it's not a great thing for him to watch tomorrow. I know he he's, is a fan, Philly, he's a living Saints fan. He's a in Philly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Um, I uh, I will say... Um, the way Goodell has handled the Saints issue, which should have just been an apology. Once the game's over, hey, referee and, and, and uh, uh, our line judges and our officials are all human. They missed the call, flow of the game. They missed it. Nothing we can do about it now. Apologize to Saints fans, but go get them next year. And it's over. Instead, he does what he always does, where he tried to hide. Um, And I I don't get it. I don't get it from a PR perspective. I don't get it from a management perspective. But uh, hopefully Saints fans can can move forward a little bit. uh, This
1: this, uh, commissioner and his advisors um, have continuously botched his PR um, time and time again. It's not everything is Goodell's fault. No. Uh, But he's got the people around him that put him in bad positions. He's obviously had the owners put him in bad positions as well. Uh, Patriots fans will forever want his head on a stake because of deflate gate. But you can't convince me that it was him. It was owners telling him that something needed to be done. And he exacted his and they got their pound of flesh out of it. <clears throat> which ironically helped the Patriots to win the Super Bowl that year because Brady was four games fresher uh, yep. as he approached 40 years old. So uh, I don't even want to hear the Pats fans complain about it anymore.
0: So, yeah, it's uh...
1: yeah, I just think he's put in a bad position by himself, by his team, by o- other owners.
0: Well, and you forget that, and I think it's easy to forget that commissioners are the employee of the owners a lot. Like it's it's not that they are there to run the league per se, but in most leagues, they are put there by the owners to oversee the league. Um, And so, when it comes to how everything works out, it's because a Jerry Jones says, "Hey, we have to do something." That's it. Point blank. It's
1: as simple as that. It, It. And when Jerry Jones starts shooting his mouth off and getting involved in the compensation committee. He has the right to do it because he owns 3% of the league. Roger yep. doesn't own anything. He just gets paid really handsomely to deal with all these bullets that he's had to deal with.
0: All right. Let's uh, touch on anything else on from the Patriots side of the ball for you. Anybody uh, who, who do you think is going to have a big game? I guess is uh, talking about player prop bets and, and the way forward. for Yeah, the I'm going to
1: take the white, the white and Edelman overs. Yep. That's really where I, I'd be focused on. I feel like those are your best bets there. Uh you know doing some fun things like what Kenny from Philly is doing with Gronk I I think that's fun knock yourself out I had fun with right. James Devlin last week but um the the one guy that I'm really struggling to figure out what kind of game he's going to have is Sony Michel Yes sir because they have been really good at running the ball I just don't know if it's part as big a part of the game plan this week To some extent, they can game plan similarly than they did against the Chiefs in order to keep Gurley and Goff and Cooks and crew off the field. Uh, But conversely, the Rams aren't as bad against the run. And they might be able to get more third down stops than the Chiefs got. So it, it may not be a carbon copy, which has me struggling to figure out which way to go on Michelle.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point overall about how this offense runs. Uh, I'm big on White and Edelman, too. I think that's the players you're going to see the crossing routes over and over and over again. I think you're going to get probably upwards of 25 targets between the two of them. Uh, I think that's uh, honestly... It's
1: funny. I said that exact number uh, oh, did you? On, on a show yesterday. I, I said I, I think you'll see a combined 25 or more targets for White and Edelman. It's
0: just... It's just funny to see how this offense works, and and we can all see it. It's all crossing routes, and then they take the deep shot, you know. And then they take that one or two deep shots. So you know, does Hogan or a Patterson have upside for uh, longest reception? Yeah, you know, like or or for their individual longest receptions, I think they're both at like nineteen point five or twenty point five respectively. I think those are live. It's just you're you're that's literally a dart throw. So um, to paint,
1: but, and to to paint a picture too of how good the Patriots are at some of this intermediate passing. Uh, I, I had Davis Maddock on the FST podcast earlier Davis. this week. You can go to my Twitter uh, Twitter timeline in order to find it at Mike Blewett. So Brady, it, now think of it in context of how when they played the Chiefs, the screen going from left to right. Brady at the top of the screen, so that's Edelman, Gronk, and others coming across the middle right to left and the top, Left of your screen when you're going to the to top right of your screen when you're going left to right, he yep. consistently was hitting passes there. Brady's passer rating in that quadrant of the field between ten and twenty yards on the le- him throwing to his left is one forty three. Yep. Jeez, that's how good they are there. They scheme guys open for him for him to make easy throws. He does not push the ball downfield as well as he did back in the day, and right. not nearly as good as many other quarterbacks in the league. But they don't make him do it. He throws behind the line of scrimmage. He throws open to Hogan, Gronk, and Edelman coming across from right to left. They're open all the
0: time. Yep, that yeah, makes total sense. And watch for the pick play. The the Pats have really become one of, of the best teams in the NFL at that play. The you know the the three step hook from a slot receiver getting in the way of the defensive back on that crossing pattern when it's man to man. And that's how they free some guys up. And this isn't, you know, the Pats, every team does this. And the NFL really does need to clean up uh, that sort of ruling, but they do it the best. Like I watch them week in, week out. They just are so fine with that play uh, that it opens up a ton of space over the middle when man-to-man coverage is there, uh, especially when you have a White or a Burkhead coming out of the backfield, your linebacker's clear, all of a sudden it's free space uh, for Brady to operate in uh, to anybody crossing across the field. We have uh, plenty still to get to here over the final 40 minutes for me. We have Fantasy Sports Day until 11 a.m. George Kurtz will fill in, still have to talk Rams, want to talk a bit more about prop bets, uh, and uh, get into a little bit of the entertainment angle if we have time. Uh, but we'll be back on the other side of this break. Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett, right here on Fantasy Sports Day. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FNTSY
1: show and ask your question the number is 844-84-FNTSY that's 844-843-6879 the Fancy sports radio network your free fantasy source 24 hours a day
0: Get 50% off at DailyRoto.com. Elite monthly membership if you sign up before Super Bowl 53 kickoff. The features, access to premium fantasy content for all sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, golf, NHL, premium lineup optimizer for FanDuel and DraftKings. That's for NFL, NBA, MLB, and golf. Access to betting tools, player props, and more. Customizable fantasy projections and rankings for FanDuel and DraftKings. Professional commentary via premium podcasts. Written fantasy content and slate breakdowns. FanDuel and DraftKings ownership projections for NFL only. DFS strategy guides, research tools, and lineup alerts. Just enter promo code SB53, SB53 to get your 50% off a DailyRoto.com elite monthly membership and cash in on your prop against the spreads and totals wagers on the big game. That's promo code SB53. Now, Mike, want to turn our attention to the LA Rams. Always uh, always, uh, a team that I want to say St. Louis much like I want to say the San Diego Chargers still. I will probably do that for a long, long time here, but uh, can the Patriots beat two LA teams in one season? That'll one playoff season. That'll be fun to uh, check out. But uh, the great Evan Silva has his uh, big game breakdown over at, at World uh, for fantasy owners. I think uh, NFL fans alike, uh, he is a must read. And he has this uh, note in uh, the section about the Rams backfield, Mike, that I want to read. And I'm going to quote directly here and get your take on it. <clears throat> and you've said as much already. The Rams need to get Gurley going, especially in the passing game. Patriots middle linebacker, Kyle Noy and Deont, uh, Deont uh, Hightower have combined to allow 13-19 playoff targets for 131 yards and three touchdowns, including Damian Williams' uh, two AFC title game scores, uh, whereas New England held running backs to 55 carries, 167 yards, and two touchdowns. That's 3.04 yards per carry, rushing over its last four games. So this is a defense, and again, you have to worry about who they're playing against, whether the running game was going or, and not, but uh, do you believe that the way forward and the way to winning is with Turd, Turd Gurley. Wow. Todd Gurley in space (laughs) via the pass game. You need to know about it. (laughs) Exactly. There it is.
1: Which might be a turd strategy for the Rams. Um, Yeah. Look, the, the, the New England linebackers are not as athletic as Gurley. They have Kyle Van Noy's good, really good player. And got Hightower out there, obviously. But that's just a difficult matchup for anybody when Gurley is healthy. Now, I can't say that the Rams are flat out lying, but I don't think he's 100% healthy. So nobody's listed as questionable or doubtful or out for this whole game on either roster. But I do have doubts about how effective Gurley can be and if he's not been 100%, maybe. It's not like they were holding him back, saving him for the Super Bowl. They couldn't, they can't do, they couldn't have done that. They were in a dogfight against the Saints, and they obviously, clearly, could have lost that quite easily. So there isn't any reason to hold him back there. Granted, they got down thirteen nothing, but the Rams aren't a panic type team. Thirteen nothing isn't a big deal when you have their type of offense. So Gurley could have been used more liberally uh, throughout the game. I just don't know why he wasn't and I don't know why he was underutilized against Dallas. I just assumed back at the Dallas game that maybe he's not 100%, C.J. Anderson's giving him a rest, uh, and he'll be back in full force against New Orleans, and he wasn't. So, um, But, yes, that is how they will win. It'll be Gurley having a huge game, especially in the passing game.
0: It's uh, <laughs> It would be a bad game plan, a turd game plan to not use Gurley here. So I think that is the right uh, summation. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I will couch it exactly the same way you did that. I don't believe the Rams are lying in any way, uh, but it does feel as though we're not getting all of the information, that we're not getting all the pieces here about what's going on with Gurley. Now, he came out after the championship game and said, uh, you know, I'm not hurt. I just had a sorry game. That was his quote. Uh, You know, I I just played poorly. Uh, You take him at his word, right? You take what he says and you believe it. Um, You have to hope if you are, you know, wagering on the Rams or if you're a Rams fan, uh, that he is as close to 100% as he can be coming into this one uh, to really make uh, a push against what will be a dynamic Patriots defense. And by dynamic, I mean changing. uh, That they're going to throw so many different looks at the Rams and at McVay and at Goff to just try to confuse him, to try to get him into situations where he doesn't know what he's actually looking at. Zone reads versus man-to-man versus five DBs, and they've even run six DBs out there from time to time. And that's where the Pats really um, excel is if they can get ahead, and you said, you know, get ahead, say, 13 nothing or 13-3, the Patriots are going to run a lot of defensive backs out there. They're going to try to force the hand to make Gurley run a lot. Um, and keep the ball in front of them, and not let Goff beat them. Uh, so that's really an intriguing idea. And I think part of my, you know, if I'm running the Rams, and obviously I'm not, I'm sitting in front of a microphone, so I get to talk about it, but um, I, I think that the the Rams really – Need to take the ball if they win the toss. I think the Rams need to be on the field with that offense in the first quarter trying to put points up first. And and I think it's just a mental aspect of this game and what the Patriots can deploy on defense uh, will change whether or not they're up. And I think that'll play a lot into how this all schemes out. What's your take, Mike, on uh, other offensive pieces? Obviously, we know Goff is good enough, we know McVeigh is very good at pre-snap reads and communication uh, to neutral field, so they should be able to communicate fairly well. There are going to be Pats fans there, obviously, but they should be able to communicate fairly well pre-snap. What do you make of the rest of the offense? Who do you see as pieces that need to be uh, present and accounted for from a Patriots defense uh, uh, perspective?
1: One thing on the coin flip before I comment on that, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it, Sure, but I will say that there is a— The one risk, and the reason that the Patriots defer all the time is because they're getting the ball in the second half. And if there's – you can criticize Tom Brady. You could try to criticize Tom Brady for a lot of things, but the one thing that he's absolutely impeccable at is scoring in the last two minutes of the first half. And it it has always been an advantage for the Patriots in deferring because they get the ball in the second half because they know – not only is Brady going to drive the ball down the field and probably score a touchdown at the end of the first half, but they're going to take it out of the locker room in right. the second half and score again. So not only have they conceivably bracketed two touchdowns around halftime, but your offense has been off the field in real time for probably 45 minutes. And it's, yep. it's an advantage that they try to exact all the time. So keep that in mind if they if the Rams point. choose to uh, take the ball at kickoff, it does afford the Patriots that opportunity to do something that they feel very comfortable in doing. So so that's the only thing I would say about the coin flip. So um, as far as the – you know, the one thing I would say about Gurley, I think Evan Silva does a really good job of, of stating that. McVay insists he's 100%. He has practiced in full for a month and that he does expect Gurley's role to be restored. They said he yep. didn't play as much because he had a couple of early – drops and a blown blitz pickup against the Saints. So I I suppose you have to trust that. Uh, The one good stat he has here, Patriots middle linebackers Kyle Van Noy and weak side linebacker Dante Hightower have combined to allow 13 of 19 playoff targets. So that's 68% for 131 yards and three touchdowns. So Damian Williams obviously had success there. It's just that you also mentioned – uh, not countering that in any way. I think Gurley could have a really good game and have them lose because we saw it with Damian Williams. We saw it with other running backs against the Patriots in the past. Um I just feel that Gurley could have a, an elite level type of game, but what the Pats would prefer is death by paper cut. If they're going to lose, right. they're okay with Goff going methodically down the field. If Goff who is actually pretty good at pushing the ball down the field statistically. If he's hitting big plays for Cooks, the Pats feel like they're going to lose.
0: That makes sense. And I I think, uh, I forget who it was during the middle of the season, made a big point about uh, for a team like the Rams, if Todd Gurley's having a big game on the ground, it probably means they're not scoring as much. Right. Like, yes, there's if they're up huge and Gurley's running in the second half and puts up over 100 yards, there's that narrative to get to. But if Gurley's the focus of an offense, it means you're keeping them out of the end zone a little bit more because they're not scoring at a high clip. They're not scoring, yeah. you know, at a fast pace. Uh, so that is a way uh, to try to slow them down. Put five, DBs, and, put six DBs out there and see what you can do.
1: And they've been in, in these high scoring games before. And they I think they feel comfortable when they're the team scoring 30 points and not the opponent. So they beat the Falcons when the Falcons came up short and only scored 28 points. They lost the Super Bowl to Philly because they gave up 41 points when they had scored 33. Um, They beat the Seahawks 28-24. They just – and the Seahawks were a running team, right? If there was more explosive plays in that game outside of the wacky Jermaine curse one, maybe Seattle wins it. So they obviously feel really comfortable – Keeping their opponents under thirty and allowing some more rushes is probably a way in which they can do that, so as far as other players are concerned the reason that i the reason that I'm picking the Patriots is because as good as the Rams are, and I absolutely think they have a chance, the passing game has not been as efficient with Cooper Cup out. It just hasn't been yes, sir. I thought Josh Reynolds would be a bigger part of things. I thought he'd be more successful, um, but he just hasn't been. Uh, I think, and I've heard a few people throw this theory out. Davis Maddock actually did it on the FST podcast a couple days ago. He expects more 12 personnel to be run so that Higby and particularly Everett will, and this this is the chess match that we'll see between McVay and Belichick, right? They run 11 personnel at a, 95 percent clip so that's one running back one tight end three wide they run it more than any team in the league they run it at a historic pace but maybe they switch it up go to two tight ends have Gurley back there and are um, creating opportunities for Everett over the middle of the field and Gurley in space that would be unique to me Davis isn't the only one I've heard say it and I think that's something to keep an eye on to keep the Patriots on their toes
0: that's a great, and uh, Evan makes the same point. I know Evan and Davis talk a lot, so I wouldn't be surprised if they had a conversation around this one. Um, they do a, a great uh, podcast each week uh, on another provider uh, for the NFL. Uh, so uh, Evan specifically says that if the Rams get away from their typical three-receiver reliance, do go to two tight end sets, that brings uh, a Landon Roberts back onto the field for the Pats, it uh, the makes them go to their base uh, 4-3, back to the linebackers because they have to cover over the middle of the field, and uh, he's not good in coverage. So that could really open things up for Everett and Higby. So right in the same vein, right in the same uh, school of thought, thinking that uh, there may be, uh, and I think... If I remember the stat, the Rams ran their offense the most out of that base set than any other team. Like one setup uh, at the offensive line, one set formation uh, is 90% of their plays. It's just that they run variations on that offense from that set. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for the Rams to get away from that set would be a big change. Would be a a big change for McVay and for Goff uh, and to make... Uh, that uh, a big uh, difference here uh, in how they approach it. But you you use the word I was going to use, or two words, I guess. It's a chess match. Uh, these are two very smart, or at least uh, we believe them to be very smart head coaches. Uh, guys who have proven that they can figure things out. Uh, Belichick a little bit more methodical. McVay a little bit more on the fly, it would seem, uh, when it comes to uh, checkdowns and figuring out defensive schemes and calling in audibles to his quarterback. Uh, but this is gonna, that's going to be the fun part. If you are a football fan... Right. Like you're not just watching the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl. You are a football fan who's sitting down to watch uh, two of the best teams in the NFL and two of the best head coaches. Then you're going to get that chess match. And that's going to be fun to watch and see how they play and see how it works out. And that's where I think the prop bets about scoring become interesting, Mike, where you have the first half. Score over-under, you have the first quarter, you have the second quarter, and that's where I get intrigued because I think this is going to be a slow-moving game to start. Many Patriots games are. You know, a lot, you know, they don't score a ton in the second quarter. We know that. And there are pieces where uh, over the years they've struggled in the first half of games. Obviously, you can point to, you know, the Super Bowl against the Falcons and the comeback and all that. But um, I do find it intriguing to look at those numbers and and see if there's something to exploit uh, in the first half prop or the first quarter, second quarter prop. I don't think we're going to see a ton of scoring uh, in the first couple of frames of this game, uh, simply as these two coaches try to feel each other out and figure out exactly what the other is doing. Would you agree or do you see this sort of this candle being lit from opening kickoff? That wouldn't stun
1: me if it was a little bit of a a chess match at the beginning with the, with the defenses holding firm on third down. Pats have been really good on third down offensively, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was, you know, throughout the Super Bowl week, the NFL Network runs those half-hour vignettes, those half-hour shows of previous Super Bowls. It's like a nice, easy 22-minute recap, and you can go back and watch it, and it shows all the highlight plays. And one of the ones that I watched was the Pats against the Panthers, and that was a really wild game because that did not feature any score until twenty-seven, almost 27 minutes into the game, like 26.55 into the game. So it was scoreless. The longest scoreless streak to open a Super Bowl was in that game. But in the last three minutes of the first half, there was 24 points scored. Right. So it's 14-10 at halftime. Then And the announcers were like, man, what a wild couple of minutes that was. Then fast forward to the third quarter after, and that was the Janet Jackson halftime show, by the way. Yep. So after that halftime show which basically changed television forever. The, <laughs> and
0: Janet Jackson's career, for that matter.
1: Yeah. Uh, third quarter, no scores. No scores in that third quarter. So 24 points in three minutes. No scores in the first. No scores in the third. And then the fourth quarter... A 1918 wild, wacky, big play bonanza. It started right at the beginning of it, and you had the long Mushima Muhammad touchdown. You had earlier, you had a long Steve Smith touchdown. You had several missed two-point conversions by the Panthers, uh, which honestly, if they just played that game straight up and not gone for two— That game ends regulation tied 31-31. Go back, look it up. Uh, I can't have the time to walk you all through it. But Fox went for two earlier than he probably should have, and it led to the walk-off kick by Vinatieri. But could it play out like that? That game still ended up 32-29. That'd be over tomorrow. So, yeah, it could be a long time for anybody scores or gets into it. It could be a lower-scoring first half and still end up in a 60-point range.
0: Yeah, we've seen some crazy points put up. Plenty to get to in the final 20 minutes for me, but still stay tuned all the way through 11 o'clock. George Kurt sliding into the chair to co-host with Mike Blewett, and you'll have them the rest of the day. Then you have Mike again tomorrow from 12 to 3. Plenty going on here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Heading up to Super Bowl 53. Stay tuned. Fantasy Sports Day right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dan Stratford, Mike Blewett here. Leaning up to the top of the hour, George Kirk sliding in here on Fantasy Sports Day till 11 a.m. Special thanks to Sean Engel, as always, behind the glass on the ones and twos. Bringing us in and out of every break with some of the best music each and every weekend. Appreciate that. Mike and I are with you each and every Saturday on Fantasy Sports Today. Also hear me uh, Monday through Friday, 7.30 to 8 o'clock on the Fantasy Sports News Desk. Hear, Mike, throughout the week on a variety of shows and uh, as he said earlier you'll hear from him tomorrow 12 to 3 uh, leading up to Super Bowl coverage all right we've made it through an hour and 40 minutes talking Super Bowl want to talk a little bit about the Rams then get your final take on some of these prop bets I know you and George will continue the conversation in the next hour as well Uh, what do you think here from a defensive perspective we've talked James White We've talked Edelman. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Gronkowski narrative. We know Brady likes to get rid of the ball quick. Does it all come down to the defensive line for you? Does it all come down to getting the pressure on Brady that matters? Or do you think the secondary uh, will play a bigger part uh, than maybe some analysts are starting to give them do?
1: Uh, I think that's a fair question. I think they're going to try and counteract the pressure that they know is coming. Uh, by getting it to White and Edelman as quickly as possible. So to that end, whomever is going to be matched up on Edelman is going to have to be really good. And Davis Maddock actually detailed this the other day. Eric Berry's at the end of the road, and he missed some plays against Edelman that probably could have been made defensively. The Rams have a better defensive backfield, obviously, even with Peters, Marcus Peters being really bad this year, the Rams have a better defensive backfield than do uh, the Chiefs. So I think there's some plays that can be made there. And I think who's ever on Edelman is going to have to try to limit Edelman. It's tough because he makes catches in tight spaces. Uh, he, he's usually wide open, but he can make catches in tight spaces too, and he, as we saw in the final drive against the Chiefs last week so or two weeks ago. But uh, So I think Yes, uh, Akib Talib has been excellent this year. Nikel Roby Coleman has been excellent. Uh, I, I was, you know, sort of facetiously saying Brady's going to get in his face. so well, he's got to score on him first, and, and Roby Coleman's been really good. But I, I think he'll make a point of it at some point during the game. Reality is, yes, the defensive back field will matter, but the Pats are going to have to um, get rid of the ball quickly to Edelman and White. I think that's just the plan of attack. I, I, I try not to overthink it. That seems to be the most right down Broadway way that they they like to play offense that way and thankfully it has some benefits when you're playing against the Rams
0: it's going to be a fun one to track that is for sure this game uh, I said the chess match will be uh, what I'm watching I think early Uh, I think that this Rams defense will come to play and you get uh, on that front line Aaron Donald obviously pardon me uh, Aaron Donald with the uh, the name uh, with the 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 flashiest of names where he had 20.5 sacks on the year, an absolutely dominant season on that front line. But, you know, there's a guy there who has been cast as the villain many times over in the NFL, Uh, somebody who has been rightly put into that. Uh, characterization, stepping on players, you know, stepping on hands, stepping on face masks, uh, hitting uh, when he should not on the defensive line. But, uh, and Dominican sue here could be a difference maker and could sort of write that ship. You want know, to talk narratives, this is a guy who's been around the NFL, saw, you know, multiple different teams, uh, had almost become an afterthought simply because of the the quote-unquote baggage he brought with him. But here so he is, Mike. Guys. Yeah, uh, he's on, on the precipice here. Uh, this seems like a, a spot for him to shine. Of the defensive players for the Rams, if you had to choose one for MVP, who would be the guy you think uh, has enough influence on this contest to pick up the hardware at the end of the game?
1: Well, I, I did mention the Grady Jarrett thing from a couple of years ago. So if Aaron Donald uh, ends up having that kind of game where he's putting up multiple sacks, and the Rams win, I think you have an opportunity for a defensive player. The problem is James White had a monster game against Atlanta, and they still gave it to Brady, even right. when Brady wasn't at his best. So it just so often goes to the QB now that I feel like Gurley's going to have to have that monster game, and they may still give it to Goff if Goff plays you know, clean football. Uh, so... That's where it gets tough for me, uh, but I think if you want to spread it around, the, the Gronk narrative uh, to me, it, we just heard a caller in the last hour, Kenny from Philly. He's on that Gronk. Um, he's on that Gronk bagwagon as far as uh, Gronk winning the MVP. Where are the odds right now? Gronk is yeah five to one right now, plus five thousand on FanDuel Sportsbook. So Gurley's at sixteen to one. I'm okay with that. Uh, I think because he'd have to have the monster game. I, I think the Prats will try to limit Brandon Cooks. So if you're yep. looking at like MVP candidates for me, on the Rams it's Goff, Gurley, Donald. Um, I guess you could throw a whole bunch of cash on Marcus Peters because if he does get lucky, it's a hundred to one. So yeah,
0: if he runs into two interceptions, yeah, like
1: I don't think he will at all but I'll throw 20 bucks on it.
0: Well, and you you made mention before, maybe we can take a second here to talk about it and not uh, expecting to break the entire idea of hedging down uh, in the next 10 minutes or so. But uh, you make mention of last week uh, or two weeks ago, I should say the Devlin prop bet you went over, uh, went after with Dane uh, who obviously people should know from a variety of shows here on the network. Uh, But uh, you went after that and you, you, regret that you didn't hedge on the other side so quickly here uh what what did you mean by that somebody who's listening who may be you know living in a state like new jersey where sports betting is new or hasn't bet and wants to bet on the super bowl what exactly would be your approach to specific bets on hedging and and maybe getting after odds that are a little bit longer uh like a marcus peters just to see what happens
1: yeah so the reality with the devil in bet to explain that it was a ridiculous bet in that it was a two, he had to score two touchdowns to come in at a hundred to one. So Dane and I put collectively $50 down on it, but we were going to win five grand if, if that came through. But I did say to him, I don't think this will happen because Burkhead is back. I should have gone a step further and said, I'll do this if we also put money on Burkhead, who was at 27 to one. So, I was really just hedging against my narrative. Now, I didn't think Burkhead would score two touchdowns either, and he did. He's, he won the game on the final touchdown. So uh, so that's one type of hedge. A true hedge, though, is somebody like me that has a bunch of money on Pat's futures. I have some at 5-1 to one, plus 500. I have some at 4-1 to one, plus 400. So I have money. I want to be financially compensated if the Patriots win. That's my approach, Dan. That is the ultimate hedge. I am right there with you. I think they're going to win. I I think they're going to win. And I I, I thought at the start, at the onset of the playoffs, I thought the Pats would lose to the Saints. Now that the Saints are out, I think the Pats are going to win. But the value bet at the onset of the playoffs at plus 500 and then plus 400 after they beat the Chargers was on the Patriots because the path lined up nicely for them. I liked their path to the Super Bowl. I did think they'd beat the Chiefs two weeks before they played the Chiefs. I thought they were going to play the Chiefs and then win. It worked out. Doesn't always work out. But the ultimate hedge for me would be to bet the Rams now, get some value out of the two and a half points, and hedge back against my futures bets. Yep. And make sure I know I'm going to win. Now, I you know, I don't want to do the math on air, but I can hedge back and figure out, What do I need to bet to come out on top? Because I'm going to make five times my money that I have with the Pats. But if I come back the other way and cover those bets with the Rams, then I know I can win money either way. I'm just not winning as much as I could if I let it ride with the Pats. I, am, I think I'm going to let it ride. I don't think I'm going to hedge back with the Rams because I still think the Pats are going to win. Evan Silva, who I respect a lot, he and he does excellent breakdowns. He has the Rams by one in a 24-23 game, so he expects it to be a little bit lower scoring. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it goes under. The totals in Vegas are so sharp at this time of year that I, the total is almost a tough bet for me when it's that high. Um I think I'm going to end up picking it over, but it's right on the number. Like I think this could be 30-27, Pats. I want I might throw a funkier score in there to allow for some two-point conversions, but uh, the totals are really sharp. To give you a sense of how sharp Vegas gets at this time of year with player props and totals. Yep. The in the NFC Championship game, the pass attempts for Goff and Breeze were identical at 36 and a half going into the game. How many pass attempts do you think they'll have at the end of regulation? Both quarterbacks had thrown the ball 36 times. Right Pretty on amazing. the number. Amazing. They're building new buildings out there every day, Dan, so. They do I think you're just trying to extract some value yeah. out of plus money bets, meaning the not long shots. But longer shots. You know, if you're trying to bet Tom Brady, I'll give you an example. If you're trying to bet Tom Brady to win the MVP, you have to put down $100 to win 115 There's not a lot of value there. Yep. You want to put it down on Gurley, you got it 16-year 1600 You put down 100 bucks, you win $1,600. There's value there. James White. James White appears unlikely to ever win an MVP because he did what he did against Atlanta and still didn't win it. But yeah. If you think he's going to have the 15-catch game again, throw a couple of touchdowns on him, he's at plus 2500 So it doesn't mean you have to bet $100. You can put $20 down. Just spread it around a little bit. But, you know, you're going to need a little bit of luck for it to be somebody other than a quarterback. Uh, the Aaron Donald thing is interesting. Um so, yeah, that, that's a little bit of a breakdown. I hope that was – I hope I didn't ramble too much. I just wanted to give people an explanation I, of sort of No, i think I'm that's regarding hedging.
0: I think it's great perspective, Mike. And I think further, you make the point of in the end, we wager, we play DFS to make money. And, and when you start to hedge, uh, you have to do the math of, well – Am I just coming out even in the end? Am I actually spending more money to make less money? Um, am I, yep. you know, hedging too far? Am I going too, uh, too in? And I think it's a great point. We were talking to Drew before in North Carolina, I believe that was his name about playing DFS, it's the same thing. Playing multiple lineups is great to cover off on more bases, uh, but are you now sinking to a dollar value where you're not going to even make back if you win playing cash games? So you just got to understand what, again, uh, bankroll management, how you're going about Understanding how much money you might make and then the hedging side of it. I think, Mike, also, you make a great point about the futures bets you already have. So it's sort of the, you know, what's in your pocket and what you might bet new. Uh, When you're betting new to begin with, hedging can become a little bit messier. But I will say this. When it comes to wagering, I don't wager a ton. Uh, you know, the season I've, I've done with this show and, and with uh, the obviously loosening of regulations in this country. Um, I've done a bit more than I have in the past. But the emotional hedge has been where I focused. I'm rooting for Team X. I'm going to bet on Team Y. You know, so I can enjoy the win if Team X wins. And Team Y, if they win, hey, I'm covered. I'm, I'm covered that yeah. I made some money. I, I made a little bit cash, and that's the Pats for me. As a Jets fan, living in New England, living in Massachusetts, um, that is where I've been all along. That if the Pats win, I want to at least win some money off of it. I want to be able yeah. to, to recoup some of that emotional loss.
1: You know, it's a fun one, and this is hard to do, but what's a fun one on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get both to score a touchdown, so a two-player combo. If you think that Sony Michel and Robert Woods will score a touchdown, right. it's plus two seventy-five. Uh Julian Edelman and Robert Woods is plus three fifty. I, I think an interesting one. Let me see the Gronk ones. I do believe that Gronk they'll try and get Gronk in the end zone. But Gronk and Brandon Cooks, that's plus three seventy five. Yeah. Gronk and James White. That's an interesting one. That's plus five hundred. You think White yep. will score a touchdown and Gronk will score a touchdown? Put fifty that's, bucks down. You win two fifty. I like it. Five to one. That's probably uh, my favorite I, combo.
0: I like that one. I, the other thing we didn't get to talk to, and maybe uh you and George can take it up in the next hour or, you know, sometime across uh today and tomorrow, uh, is the cross sports prop bets. Uh and that's where you get I can don't get, get, a get f- into those. I know but, I, I haven't I haven't gotten into I haven't bet them, but they are intriguing from one, to your point, how sharp Vegas can be around these things. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about like EPL versus the Super Bowl. You're talking about college yeah. basketball. Will uh, three Duke players score more than is scored in the Super Bowl combined? It's a lot yeah, of yeah. fun, too, to get a full day of sports on your, uh, on your ledger and just being able to watch a, a variety of different things leading up to the Super Bowl because obviously everything sort of shuts down Sunday night. So of work uh, on Super
1: Bowl Sunday, Dan.
0: No, that's fair. That's I fair. Some of us can't do. Really watch. Anything. Some of us do. That's <laughs> I can't fair. Can't
1: really watch anything other than the Super Bowl
0: tomorrow. I mean, it is course. radio, so you can you can look at something else. But uh, but can't. nonetheless, <laughs> it's a little tough. I'm on camera, so I, I, I oh fair.
1: To, I ha, I'm in studio on camera, so I can't really watch too much other than the Talking Heads with the volume turned down.
0: There you go. All right. Well, nonetheless, there are some fun ones out there if you're into that sort of thing or if you want to get a little more exposure to some of these uh, bets and wagers just to have a little bit more fun during the day on Sunday. Uh, They are out there across uh, sports bets, across a variety of different outcomes. Uh, So you can check those out. They're on a variety of of, uh, wagering sites and make sure, again you're paying attention to bankroll management. You're understanding how much you can lose and how much uh, you can deal with losing. And then, of course, uh, we will uh, be with you throughout the day here on FNTSY. I made mention George is going to slide in for me here at the top of this hour and uh, take over for the final hour of Fantasy Sports Day. You get George uh, rest of day. Uh, you have a, a lot of other guys checking in as well to give their takes on uh, what is going to be happening over the course of the next 48 hours into Super Bowl. Uh, 53. Mike, I think you made mention of your score before, but before I get going, what is your prediction here on what the final score is in Super Bowl 53?
1: I might have to sharpen up the score a little bit, but I, I'm I'm thinking it's around 30 to 27. I, I want to throw... I, I, I need some field goals in there. Uh, 30 to 27, we'd give you five field goals. That might be too many, so maybe it's more like 31-27, uh, something like that, uh, Pat's.
0: That is the number I had coming into the show, Uh, 31-27 Pats. Uh, I'm hoping for a Rams win, but I'm saying I'm agreeing there. 31-27 final score. Patriots win their sixth Super Bowl. They now will lead the NFL in playoff victories. And Brady and Belichick, the greatest franchise of all time. The dynasty lives on. Uh, I'm going to step aside. George is going to slide in. Mike's going to take over hosting. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back next weekend uh, in full force on Fantasy Sports Today.